Welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 83, Ancient Pyramid Secrets, Atlantean Technology, and Guardians of the Stargate with Dr. Kathy Forti. We are so excited to bring you this episode today. Dr. Vorti has some incredible experiences and technology that she's going to share with us today. So let's just jump right into the episode and find out what Dr. Forti has to say. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. We have a very interesting show lined up for you and a new guest to Enlighten Up. Her name is Dr. Kathy Forti. And is a, she is a clinical psychologist with over 25 years experience in the mental health care field. As a direct result of her near-death experience in 2003, Dr. Forty began working with multidimensional beings to bring forth not only new technology, but a greater understanding of how mankind's past is directly linked to the consciousness of healing and growth today. The Trinfinity 8 technology is used by practitioners around the world, and her newest higher dimension software system, the Ascension 11 technology, is set to debut actually next week. So we're excited to have uh, Kathy on with us. She is also the author of the book Fractals of God, A Psychologist's Near-Death Experience and Journeys into the Mystical. And in the 1980s, she was one of the first children's authors to address death and dying in her metaphysicals children's book series, Freddie Brenner's Mystical Adventures. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Wow, you just, we have tons to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever everybody is. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're in the, we're in the morning. So, but I know that whenever someone listens to this, it could be evening for them. So. It's true. Um, so we found out about you through Lisa's sister, right, Lisa? Yes. She asked me if we had heard of the Trinfinity 8. And I said, no. And I looked into it and I was like, wow, that would, Kathy would be a wonderful guest on our show. (laughs) Well, I'd like to say we fly low on the radar. You know, people find us, they say they've been led to us in very unusual ways. And I say, who's meant to have the technology will have the technology. It's kind of not like a widget type technology. So uh, it's always interesting to see who takes in and runs with it. So this technology, the Trinfinity 8, did you you mentioned you had a near-death experience. Did that happen before you created this technology or after? Uh, I had the, the uh, near-death experience in 2003 when I was still practicing uh, clinical psychology. And uh, uh, as a result of that, uh, I came back with uh, uh, a physics geek, actually, and a whole set of new guidance. And this is what they wanted me to do. And it was an area that I had actually no expertise on. It dealt with mathematical equations, and math was my worst subject in school. And, you know, I thought, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is insanity. But, you know, it was very persistent, and it took five years, and they gave me every aspect of it, you know, the downloads of pictures and so forth like that. And, you know, I thought, I thought maybe this is crazy, but when I debuted it at uh, Subtle Energy Conference in 2009, um, many psychics came forward and said that we were waiting for this. We knew that a new technology that dealt with mathematical coding was on, the, was on the, this cosmic highway. And so I, I had people who were having incredible experiences, and I didn't know what to expect. I thought, dear God, do not send me on a fool's mission making something that that has no redeeming value and 
I started to learn that uh, it, it could do some quite amazing things in the right hands. So what exactly is the Trinfinity 8? What is it meant to do? Well, it is uh, a software basic technology for Mac and PCs. It has over, it has about 72 different programs that deal anywhere from physical problems to emotional release to spiritual to even rejuvenation, anti-aging. So it, it addressed a lots of different things. And everything behind it dealt with, my guides were showing that there was a mathematical code for every substance, thought form, and so forth in the universe. And actually that our DNA was mathematically coded. So we actually needed to speak to the language it understood. And of course, I didn't understand math. I mean, I, I, I you know, just getting in my... When I got my master's degree in psychology, before I got my PhD, I had to take the uh, you know graduate records exam, and uh, that was the worst thing I did because it was like Greek to me. Anything that dealt with math, so they said they started showing me that not only everything could be mathematically coded and give it to you, like instead of taking vitamin C, you could have the mathematical formula streamed to your body for. Uh, a vitamin C and have the same effect, which was kind of profound thinking to me and, you know, really kind of actually crazy thinking too. But then they, then they showed me the science of fractals and how that in sacred geometry and sound waves and how all this could be transmitted through crystals that were attached into your, um, your, your computer system. And of course, nobody out there had ever attached crystals into the actual computers so it was one of a kind and and you know, like I said really kind of out there but uh, um, it all started to to take on a life of its own so so how, so how does it specifically uh, work you you mentioned that it, it's computer based it's Mac or PC I know Lisa had some yeah. sort of app but but now you say there there are also there are also crystals that you have to to use with it yeah, the app is uh, the app that's sold through, you know, like uh, uh, Apple or Android, Google or so forth like that. It's only a four little little particular sample app. And we had to rearrange it a different way because we couldn't attach crystals. But the crystals can actually transmit and communicate information, especially uh, wave files that are uh, send information through them. So information is quite incredible. We are so used to sending sound waves through, but files that if you play these files, it sound like nothing but uh, static to you because the human ear couldn't, you know, hear a melody or so forth like regular sound frequency files. So these were pure information and we transmitted it through, through receiving boxes. I mean, you could dial in whatever program you wanted, dealing with, you know, anything for emotional, spiritual, physical problems and so forth like that. And it would be streamed through through a signal box, a digital to analog signal box, because crystals are analog by nature and the body is analog. And where most people are going from analog to digital, we're going from digital to analog. And uh, and you could hold these crystals in your hand and or put them any place on your body, and the information would stream through there. And oftentimes, people would feel uh, through the crystals like maybe a pulsing heat. Uh, tingling, and yet there was no electrical current coming through that. It was all information, and it would start to heat up. And crystals just love to send information through it. I mean, you know, we're going, we're talking Atlantean technology here, you know, and 
many people who come across this says, you know, I remember something similar to this in my days in Atlantis. It's just packaged differently. Are the crystals hooked up to your computer like via USB or something? Well, what's in the USB is actually a USB goes to a signal box, and then the crystals are attached through cables into the signal box. So you hold the crystals in your hand while you're looking at the screen? Yeah, you hold the crystals. You know, the crystals have been configured in a certain way so that they send, they resonate the information onto the, the double terminated crystals, meaning they're pointed at both ends. And that's how you take information quickly into a crystal and let it and, and disperse it and communicate it to whoever holding it or so forth like that. So they even the crystals had to be configured a certain way. And my guides were showing me, you can't go to, a, you know, just find regular crystals. You have to lab grow these, grow these crystals. These have to be pure without any, you know, like little clouds or, you know, striations or, or whatever through it because uh, it, information can get trapped into crystals. But if they're lab grown, and ours take like a month to grow each one very slowly, um, if it's crystal clear, it, it won't get slowed down the information. You can take it and immediately let, uh, send it to the person that's holding it in their hands or so forth. So, you know, that was a whole learning curve for me as well because I, I didn't know any of this stuff. I'm, I'm picturing, I'm imagining Superman's cave here, the, 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 the Arctic cave that he had from that one movie with, uh, with uh, Christopher Reeves. Where all well, the, you're absolutely all the right, information Ryan. was on the crystals, and that's kind of what they look like. That's what they showed me. They looked into my memory banks to see what I already knew. And they, since I had seen that movie, they showed me, you know, Superman in the Fortress of Solitude or whatever that place was, downloading the crystals, the information from his race. And I said, oh, now I get it, what you're trying to tell me. So that's, it was kind of interesting that you picked up on that because that's exactly what they showed me. It's interesting that you mentioned these crystals because I don't think a lot of people realize that our computer chips are actually made from zircon, which is a crystal. And so, yeah, so crystals do hold information. They transmit information. They take in information. But very interestingly enough, this is so timed perfectly. Lisa and I on Sunday were having um, lunch with some very interesting friends uh, who are very... um, very, I guess, interested and knowledgeable on a lot of the information that we talk on the show and beyond what we've talked on the show. And one of the uh, the gentlemen who we were speaking with, he was talking to us about how he's found in his healing practice uh, that the one thing that is most powerfully starting to realize because we think, oh, is it just energy that's the healing thing? Is it this? But he's starting to realize it's information. And it really what he talked about really coincides with what you're talking about in this coding of information coming through to us from the crystals. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it, when I talk to people who are in computer programming and they said, yeah, it makes sense to us because, you know, our coding that was shown to me, you know, was all channeled down for thousands of different substances. Then it was transformed into binary code, zeros and ones. And that is the language of the universe. You know, everything that we put up in space for for other civilizations about our, our planet and so forth like that is in binary code because they understand that, you know. And uh, so, you know, everything was from, like I said, went from 
formulas that I was shown and broke into binary codes. And that's what uh, uh, all that information is zeros and ones. Yeah. So what type of benefits have you seen from people who have, have used this technology? Oh, well, we don't have enough time to go into all that. But, you know, I, I, I always encouraged all of our practitioners and owners to be, you know, I would always tell them what to expect. I have no idea because I've seen some bizarre things that justify even what I, my belief systems. And, and I said, you know, experiment. Uh, I've had people say they've even used it on their cars to increase gas mileage and did the recording on that. And I said, really? I've had some people from Australia said they're using it, you know, on their horse farms with animals. And animals don't have, you know, a preconceived notion of what to expect or, or I want to please you by having a, a good effect. So you get a little bit of, you know, um, uh, uh, there's, so there's not a placebo effect in, in effect there. So um, they were using it for digestion problems on animals. They were using it for, uh, we had people using it to increase their uh, taking tests in school. I had some military personnel who were using it to actually um, pass physical exams and excel, you know, uh, uh, better than some of their colleagues. I've had someone tell me that helped bring someone out of a coma. You know, I, 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 you know, I just hear everything. It did not come with an instruction book. So, um, and what, and, and I always tell people, this is not a technology that cures, you know, because only you can cure yourself. Nobody else can cure you. And I tell people to run, you know, in the other direction from anybody who tells you their, their technology can cure you, you know, because I think that's fake. But anyway, what it does is it's able to shift you into a higher vibrational field where then, you can do your own healing and anything is impossible. But, you know, it doesn't take away karma. It doesn't take away your learning experiences. We're all here for that, you know. And uh, so, but it does make it easier to navigate through some of that, you know. And that was pretty much what they told me, that because this technology had to come back to this time when we were going through a, a really accelerated uh, evolutionary process, that we needed to have something to help people because some people were having extreme difficulty. You know, either their, their life was changing in drastic ways, they were getting ill, checking out of the planet, you know, just bizarre things because everything was going faster. That this technology and others that like it, which were being seeded down, would help that whole their energy field accommodate these changes. So um, if nothing else, I think that that's one of the biggest pluses because, as we all know, our world is in really um, unbelievable flux right now. My sister, I think, was looking for something. Uh, there's a, I come from a very large family, and, and many of our nieces and nephews have anxiety issues, some se severe anxiety, and my mother suffers from depression and some, some other things, so she was... You know, she's always looking for something to help out in that area. I think that's how she came across you. Ah, well, you know, we, because we, not everybody can, you know, really afford our technology. So we, we have practitioners out there. We send them. We also, the beauty of this technology is that it's able to work long distance as well. So uh, using a photograph of the person or the name three times and setting their intent, you know, takes the practitioner's stuff out of the way. Because as a, as a therapist, we all know that I can influence a client by just my presence and my energy and my thought forms. 
And, you know, this is really about doing your own work. And so you can set with the persons, you know, they always have to give their, their okay on this because you can't do these type of things on a person without their pay inflicting, you know, your, your belief system or your desires on their chain. They have to give their consent. So with doing this, we consent at long distance and we find that sometimes it makes no difference because, you know, separateness is an illusion. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, sitting right next to me or you're 10 million miles away. It can have the same effect because, you know, all of this can be is instantaneous, this, this type of energy. Well, that sounds like the perfect segue into, aren't you also a remote viewer? Ah, yes, yes. I, many years ago when I lived in Northern California, I was invited to a New Year's Eve party where um, Russell Targ and Hal Putoff, who were head of the, the remote viewing project for the military, they were at this, this party. And they did a lot of the military covert stuff and so forth. And I got into a conversation with Russell Targ. And he says, oh, anybody can do remote viewing. And, you know, it takes practice, but you can do it. See, everybody has that capability. So a few of us said, well, then teach us. And so outside of the, the, the party, he did teach us how to do it. And I started practicing it. And, and uh, I had some amazing things where I could view outside in space what some of the things that were going on. And I was quite amazed to find out what is outside of the Earth, you know, uh, of what we know. And... Uh, and what is underneath our Earth, as we know. So there's, there's, uh, um, I, that's probably going to be my next book, you might say. Have Have you used that? I I know you also are an Egyptologist. I don't. Is there anything that you don't do? But uh, is, <laughs> is I, I could I could imagine that being a a great resource. Well, actually, I did use it remotely in the uh, pyramids uh, in the King's Chamber many many years ago. And it was funny because I was laying in the sarcophagus. There was only three of us there at the time. And uh, I saw uh, the lid. It's an open sarcophagus. And uh, I saw the lid shut on me. And, of course, there's no lid there. And immediately I felt entombed and voices in my head. My guide said, you know what to do. And immediately I did. I slowed down my breathing and, and got into an altered state, and I felt myself rise above my body. And suddenly this, this shaft opened in the bottom of the sarcophagus in my mind. I'm sure it didn't really happen in real life. And I saw myself going feet first down through the pyramid, and I kept thinking, uh, I, I thought I should be going up, not down. And when I went down, I saw all of the different caverns. I saw some of the subterranean stuff. I saw the city down there, which the Egypt refuses to, to um, um, say exists. And I saw, and I, what I did is I saw, and I went through the subterranean chambers and came straight into the head of the Sphinx. Now, at the time, I did not know there actually is a hole up there. And uh, shot out the head of the Sphinx, and but I did see the tunnels that led through the Sphinx out through the pyramid, and um, I saw the water tunnels underneath the pyramid, which later I would explore. Uh, last year I did get to explore some of those, and so none of this. This was all through the you know the experience of altered state and remote viewing, and then you know year, a few years later I was able to verify what I'd seen that a lot of people had never seen. 
So also, I will tell you one thing. I saw that there was spaces inside the pyramid and that there was a false space above the Grand Gallery, uh, which they're fi they found this last year, but I knew this a couple of years ago. But what I saw above the gallery was what looked like a, uh, a small miniature pyramid. So I believe that the capstone is actually hidden inside the pyramid. So that's what I think it is. So, but um, well, that's to be seen. We'll see what happens. But uh, I knew there was something above there. And the capstone, what is the purpose of the capstone for, for people who aren't that familiar with pyramids? Well, the pyramid has many different uses over the years, depending on, you know, what dynasty, what civilization, the original builders and so forth like that. You know, it, it, it has been used as a, a power plant, no doubt about it. It has been used for initiations, no doubt about it. And it has been used as an ascension chamber. So especially ascension chamber during the time of Akhenaten, which, you know, when I was in Egypt, it was bringing forth all these old memories of past lives and so forth like that. And I saw, you know, some of the work I had done with Akhenaten. So I, I could actually see what, what had happened during that time. And it's really interesting because he kind of blew it. <laughs> And uh, there was an ascension chamber, and it got corrupted. He was led to believe, I mean, this is going to be very controversial, he was led to believe it was still working by some of the Amun priesthood, who were a corrupt lot. He Later, he had to come back. He reincarnated as Jesus because of that. And to atone for having, because many souls got trapped in a limbo, an inter, in an interdimensional limbo. They did use it as a direct you know, device into the cosmos, and uh, linked to certain star systems and so forth like that. So, uh, but that's like probably a whole other topic, you know, <laughs> we don't need to get into because we've only got, you know, we've only got an hour here, but I did see the water tunnels. And this past year, uh, I was able to work with the Egyptian government uh, with my favorite Egyptian guide to go down there. You know, we had to bribe, of course, bribe them because they said nobody had been down there in over 10 years. And I had heard about the tunnels um, through uh, through another source. And, you know, it's like three different dimensions, not dimensions, three different levels down. And in the bottom is actually a lake and tunnels. Now, those water tunnels can be found under some of the biggest pyramids. You know, it can be found uh, in um, the Yucatan under the uh, Chichen Itza. It can be found in Teotihuacan in Mexico. Uh, water tunnels are found in the Bosnian pyramids, you know, so uh, these tunnels were all uh, water tunnels that were built before the pyramid and uh, to not only conduct energy, because water is a great source of energy for if they're using it as um, uh, an energy source, uh, the, the whole computer, I mean the whole uh, pyramid, but they also used it uh, from what I was shown in my by my guides as um, a symbolic journey into the underworld and that there is a portal down there that is sealed, but you have to have the correct DNA to open it. And the Egyptian government has not been able to open this thing, which is kind of unusual uh, that it's, it's hidden under the water, a sarcophagus on the very lowest, lowest level. Okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> Light language thinks so too, FYI. <laughs> so first of all, I want uh, you answered a question I was going to ask um, right when I was th thinking it, that I assumed that the water tunnels were to help assist in the energy flow and conduction, which is why I tell people to drink a ton of water to assist in their own energy conduction within their own body. But this idea of not being able to unlock a portal because you don't have the right genetics, can you go into that a little bit more? 
Because I'm sure Brian, Brian, are you scratching your head on that one? Or does that make complete sense to you? It's (laughs) (laughs) long sigh. (laughs) And there's his answer. Well, you know, it's people think that uh, the Egyptian dynasty goes back like, you know, four or five thousand years. And actually, Edgar Cayce was right. It goes back much longer than that. And the Sphinx goes back even longer than than the uh, than the actual pyramids. But they forget that the original a lot of the original information that was ceded to the the Egyptians was because after the third and final upheaval of Atlantis, which is, you know, referred to in many different ancient texts. You know, one was by asteroid, one was by earthquake, and the last one was by flood. And and the Atlanteans knew this was happening, so they, they made they took their information and ceded it to all different parts of the world, you know, to preserve it. And um, the, one of the biggest outposts was they built the, uh, the pyramids. And uh, they had all of this technology. They knew how to, you know, people, people were kind of unbelievable the fact that, you know, some of those stones aren't, uh, they may have had the, the technology for levitation, uh, which actually they did, but a lot of those stones are cast. You know, they've been precast. They they have already conquered the formulas for concrete, which the everybody thinks the Romans did. No, all of that was beforehand. So a lot of this information was there, and they knew it would be secreted to in places until man was ready for to evolve again. But apparently, we went through a big de-evolution at that period of time in the flood, and a lot of information was lost, just like a lot of our ancient history is lost, and it's cloaked in myth. You know, that uh, many different stories. So, Well, if we think about information and codes and genetics, our DNA is made up of codes, right? Right, Brian? Yeah, of course it like is. You, you want, yeah. Okay. So when you think about as a computer programmer, you need certain codes to unlock certain algorithms or to... It's like a password almost, even if you just think about a simple basic as a password. And unless you have the correct password, you can't get through something and unlock the rest of the information. It makes sense that that kind of idea with our our DNA holds certain codes that would be able to unlock things that kind of obviously go beyond the way our mind thinks of being able to unlock things. But that's kind of how I, I make sense of it in my mind of trying to bring it down. That makes sense. Oh, it does. Did yeah, you say that, that again? Makes sense. It's they built in a failsafe. It's a failsafe, so it doesn't get out before its time, or that it could be misused, misinterpreted, used for whatever you know reasons that may have not be in mankind's best interest. This goes into why so many of us um, star seeds, okay, come in with different codes. We're holding different codes is for that very same reason of why the Atlanteans put all of their information all over the world. You don't have all of your prized possessions or information all in one spot because if someone were to get it, it'd all be gone. And so it makes sense that they exactly. a lot of different one of us are carrying these codes and we slowly come together to start unlocking the code slowly so that mm, we're not um, stopped all at once. Like blockchain, like you fragment it all out there yes you know that and that's why so many of the pyramids you know are built very similar you know and people say well how did how is 
and there's, you know, pyramids that are still we don't know about in China because the Chinese government doesn't want us to see them or has hidden them, you know, satellite images and so forth has blocked those out. They're all over the world. They're in Antarctica. The, the, the Atlanteans were very thorough about, you know, making sure their information was stored in different parts of the earth to open when it was ready to be opened. We were told um, this weekend by one of our friends um, who remote views as well. He's very good at it. And he said that he's seen that the largest pyramids are actually in China, but they're, yeah, just they're hidden. About that. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I had a question on one of your videos that I was watching. And I think this is what you're talking about now, but that the portals are like hermetically sealed and that your DNA, DNA codes are what can open them. Is that basically what you're saying? Well, I think that uh, there you had to have been, this is what I was shown, that you had to have been to a certain evolutionary or consciousness point, the, the person who would be, be able to get to that. So I, it's, it's a dimensional consciousness aspect when I say hermetically sealed because you're already at, at a, an elevated consciousness level. So you would understand, you know, the importance and the, uh, uh, of, how these were to be opened or not opened, and you would know the responsibility of that. So uh, that, that, that portal is into another dimension, and I think that all tied in with the whole ascension chamber thing that was going on during the time of Akhenaten. A few months ago, and I think I asked Brian about it, I kept having this word hermetically sealed pop into my head, and it was just one of those random, like, this is not my voice type thing. I'm like hermetically sealed. I'm like, okay, I know what that means. And I, and I looked it up and I think I asked Brian about it. And I'm just like, why do I keep like, it, it was several, several times, like four or five different times. It just kept popping into my head until finally I just like dismissed it. Like, okay, I know what hermetically sealed means. I don't know how it applies to anything, but you know, whatever. And then when I heard your video and you mentioned that it, it just immediately made me think like that there was something that I needed to understand about, about that. It, certain things are certain triggers and uh, whether it be, you know, you said hermetically sealed or not. And I, I think that I was even shown that, you know, the hall of records, they said, you know, I was instrumental. I was one among many instrumental in gathering a lot of that information that would be secreted in certain areas of the earth. So that's why I think I was allowed to re-see some of that again. And, you know, I was being shown and I was seeing that these are not like physical. It's not like physical hall of records. It's an interdimensional and it's locked within each of us waiting to be um, uh, opened, you know, with as our consciousness shifts into uh, a higher state. So we carry that whole hall of records within each of us. I believe that, and I might, and I might be wrong, but this is just something that came into my head that the reason why it um, perhaps is dependent on your consciousness expanding and frequency vibration rising to a point is so that your intentions are pure when you use them. Like when you're that your intentions must be pure, I'm assuming, in order to be able to, for your codes to unlock, um, just by design. Right. There's so much, there because we can see there is a battle between darkness and light kind of going on now. It's the penultimate battle that's been going on for centuries and so forth, but it just was more 
covert before, and now it's really more overt than anything else, and it's a choice people are making now. I mean, it, actually, the darkness actually opens our eyes to looking more at the light and what we want to, so each side serves its purpose, just like, you know, during the war, World War II, Hitler served his purpose to open people's eyes to what they had, you know, maybe not been paying attention to, so, you know... Um, as one of my friends, uh, Jean De Nichols, who's a very incredible intuitive, uh, E.M. Nicolay, uh, you know, the 12 system lords and so forth, he talks about, you know, that there's physical system lords and there's, there's uh, mental system lords and so forth, and each of them has their, their part in playing, even if it looks like the bad cop, you know, the bad guy, into creating a consciousness awareness for all of us. So everybody has their role in this, this, mm -hmm. this drama, you might say. Definitely drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I see people around me just freaking out, and I said, uh, you know, I, I, said, I just like to stand back and watch, you know, because it is, it's, it's kabuki theater, it's eye theater, it's drama. Everything has been kind of scripted. You know, it's not, it doesn't interfere with free choice, but, you know, uh, and in the bigger scheme of things, none of this means anything except to getting us uh, to uh, finding our own inner guidance, our own truth, uh, forgetting about all the gurus and people who are out there trying to lead you, you know, because it's not, it's about finding your own inner wisdom and payoff. Absolutely. So what is this new technology then, the Ascension 11 that you've got coming out next week? Well, you know, this is a technology I wanted to do from the start. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pull it off. But it was like the next level for Trinfinity 8. And that it was all, it's like 11 programs in it. And they all deal with things like, you know, I am one with divine source. I am eternal peace. I am love. I mean, it has a number of them. And, and it's really the penultimate, what I would like to say, meditation tool with nothing but spiritual programs in it. Nothing but spiritual programs. And... Um, uh, I, you know, I'm very happy with this. I'm, I don't, I think I've got one more book in me, and then I think I may, may not be long for this plan, and I'm not sure. I think my work might be done. But but I'm so glad that I'm finally being able to do this. But like I said, the the, uh, the forces that be out there uh, through every obstacle they could at me trying not to get this out, and I'm not going to go into details now, but, you know, it's sort of like... Oh, please do. We love those kind of details. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that... Whenever I see obstacles, I mean, it really kind of irritates me and it makes me try harder. So they got the wrong girl if they thought, you know, I was going to back off. But, yeah, I, I've been hit by a lot of different things trying to slow me down. Oh, we're, yeah, we're well aware of that. Does this technology, is it using the crystals as well or is it something different? Yes, it's using the crystals, but these are six-sided crystals where the Trinfinity 8 is four-sided crystals. You know, four-sided crystals are more of the energy of the pyramid. It, it's more physical body related. Six-side is, you know, the more facets you add to it and they're kind of hard because these are all hand done and polished and cut that, you know, it's harder to get those even. But yeah, this, these come with six-sided crystals. So, I mean, people can go to the ascension11.com website, you know, and, and see what this all entails now. I think uh, our actual ordering page will go live next week on that. So, but uh, for now, they can kind of see what what all the components of that, that have been included in this. So I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I 
my work my work on that one is 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 almost done. And do does this also come with a visual stimulus as well as the Trinfinity Eight? Well, the interesting thing is that this Trinfinity deals with you know um, uh, animated fractals, you know, which have coded information in them as well. This one, uh, we took the codes for all eleven of those programs, and I went to uh, a lab uh, that does nothing but resonates in from uh, resonates on water music, and they did not even know if they could resonate an information file. They had never done it, so I gave them a masked file, not. So they didn't know what was on it and, and said, can you resonate? And it just sounded like static to them, resonate on water, the static information that's coming through this one. And they came back and they were just shocked. They said, what is in this? Because it's coming up with, you know, 12-sided complex sacred geometry. And, you know, the file we had given them had dealt with the pineal gland. And it was beautiful, just beautiful images. So we took those images and from each of those things, many different images from the and, and put them into animated visuals so that not only were you getting the information through the crystals in Ascension 11, you'd also be seeing the visuals coming through on the screen for you, what they look like resonated on water. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah. the, the water molecules or was it the atomic structure that was starting to take on the sacred geometry? Like, how does that work exactly? Well, well, you know, I wasn't able to actually see the process because they're in London, uh, they're in the UK. They have a plate that, you know, it, it's kind of like some of our motos work, you know. If you take sand and resonate it on water with music under it, it will, it will also do patterns. But they did it on water that way and they took snapshots of all of the images that were resonating when this information was playing in the file we gave them, which is in a form of a wave file. I see. And then we took those images and put them into an animated thing for each one. And then we also put individual music for each of those 11 programs that dealt with a particular frequency that was a cor- that directly correlated mm. to what that program was trying to accomplish. Like, you know, I'm one with Divine Source or so forth. So each of them are different. They're 30-minute tracks that have been mastered by people like Jonathan Goldman did it for us and and, uh, uh, Jason Welch for Source Vibrations and so forth like that. So they've all been mastered specifically for the Ascension 11 technology. Wow. So the way, and I love the way that you're promoting this as a tool, not a cure, because I think for any of our listeners listening, it's so empowering to know that you are the ultimate driver. Everything starts with you and it starts with your intention. This is simply a tool that can assist you in speeding things up or giving yourself a little bit of an advantage, so to speak. It's almost like, you know, if you could, you could walk a mile to the store and get there in like 15, 20 minutes, or you could drive and get there in like less than a minute. And it's kind of like giving yourself that advantage of, tuning in if that's where you're truly at and that's what you want then you can you can take that opportunity well it was it was interesting years ago when i was a psychologist i also worked for an altered state research lab in northern california and what they did is they looked at all the roshi's brainwave patterns you know that had reached enlightenment and they saw that there was a pattern so what they did using like biofeedback neurofeedback they help train the brain to make those elevated patterns like the Roshis were making much quicker. So it was like 
you know, you sped up the process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we know that, you know, there's certain things that can be done to speed up the process. But that was kind of interesting just from the fact of, you know, brainwave. But this is not brainwave. This is actually, you know, people, you know, just don't realize how important crystals are. We've actually seen uh, people have told us when they had other crystals around the Trinfinity 8 while it was playing that those crystals suddenly started becoming cloudy. And I, I thought, really? And this was came through a psychologist who was doing this. And she said, yeah, I had two tower crystals near my computer. And they suddenly started cloudy as I was playing the crystal trinfinitas because they were taking in that information. She said it took them like three or four days to get back to clear again these external crystals because crystals like to take in information and communicate with other crystals. So it was that was really an interesting thing that I hadn't even stopped to consider. So if you have really clear crystals on the truth well, you know, I think you might want to see what happens. Yeah, well, I think it's this concept that we're taught, we're programmed to believe, especially in the statement, oh, you're dumb as rocks. Like people think that these things actually don't have a consciousness, that they're not part of consciousness and they're actual conscious beings, these crystals, especially when you when you really start to connect with the elemental kingdom and, and, and you start to work with it, you, you start to witness that. But I love how we've been programmed just to have, just through that one statement, dumb as rocks, to think that, oh, it's, there's nothing, it's just a rock. That, that's why the, uh, the Trinfinity 8 and the Ascension 11 crystals are both double terminated. So they can take in information and let go of it. That's great. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, very quickly. We've, we've had some people who don't feel it at all in the crystals and other people who have, <laughs> I remember there was this, there was this husband and wife and, and she was feeling it. She was feeling this, 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 these, these surges of energy go through her arm and so forth like that. And she turns to her husband and she goes, didn't you feel that? And he goes, no. <laughs> Sounds like me and Lisa. That would be Brian. Yep. <laughs> it does. <laughs> she said, what's wrong with you? Not everybody feels it. It depends on how sensitive you are, too, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not getting it. It just means that everybody experiences it differently. I wanted to talk to you about your children's book. It's very fascinating to me. I love that you talk about life and death with children at a young age and from a metaphysical perspective. Um what was your guidance on that when you were creating it? Well, at the time, I was uh, a producer in New York City and was doing a story on the New York City Ronald McDonald House, which just had opened. That was for children who had cancer, and they were being treated at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. And uh, Elizabeth Cougar Ross came to visit us. And at the house, I started volunteering some time, and then they asked me to help, you know, assistant run the house. And I left my job at CBS News and started working for them. This was way before I, long before I became a therapist. Actually, it was one of the things that led me to become a therapist. So I wrote this book because I found out there was, there was books on death and dying for adults, but nothing for children. I wrote this book. Groups of therapists started asking me, working with hospice and so forth. They said, what are your credentials? And at the time, all I had was a Bachelor of Arts. And that led to me going back and getting my, my degree. So you never know how this is going to be, but it was like the, the only thing available at the time was Leo Buscaglio's Freddy in the Fall of the Leaf. Everything, anything children was masked in metaphors or uh, animals or dogs. or ch And this was like a real story. And I kind of saw this in my mind's eye, too, about a little boy who meets his spirit guide. But at the time, nobody had written any books like this. They didn't even know where to put it on the shelves in stores. So they couldn't put it. Do we put it in the adult section? It gets lost in the children's section. So it was kind of ahead of its time. 
And if you go on the Trinfinity 8 website, on one of the pages is a free download link to the books because they're no longer in print, but I make them available free to anybody. There's six in the series, and I forget which page it's on, but if you search around for, for it on the Trinfinity 8 site, there's a free download link to the PDFs of those books. That's nice. Oh, that's great. I want to take a look at them because I just think it's so cool too. Lisa and I were talking about this, about how awesome it would be if children were to be made aware of things like their abilities through their pineal gland and just how everything works from such a young age to have that awareness expanded instead of just make it into like a story time fantasy kind of a thing, you know? Lisa wants to Lisa wants to write a children's book. I think she I, should do that. I do. I've thought about it many times, but I just the the creativity and inspiration is not quite there yet. Yeah. Well, there's also a, a full blown radio dramatization of it too. A link there that we did through a local PBS radio station many years ago. You know, it deals not only with death and dying. There's a story in there for dreams. You know, meaning of dreams and how this helped to. Little, the little boy Freddy and his friends, and then there's stuff on healing, and there's a whole bunch on different topics. So, like I said, it's. Uh, I wish I could tell you right off the top of my head, you know, what page it's on. We'll find it. We'll find it, and we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I wanted it to be out there, you know, and it wasn't worth it to me to still try and make money off it. It was some things you just need to seed out there because uh, I thought it was important for the kids. And it's it's for the kid and everybody, too. It doesn't just mean, you know, children's book. It's a child and everyone. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, when parents read books to their kids, they learn things, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that was kind of, like I said, ahead of its time. I think it's timely now too it sounds like a lot of what you do is ahead of its time uh yeah unfortunately some of it gets too ahead of its time but we're all here to do our work right uh did i think i would be doing any of this years ago when i thought i was probably going to become a a television producer no in fact when i learned after my near-death experience that i was supposed to invent something that looked like it was healing related i you know poo-pooed it thinking well that doesn't sound like me but you never know where life is going to lead you that's for sure. You've definitely had an interesting path. It's fascinating. And you said you're going back to Egypt next week or in February? Uh, no, I'm going back uh, in uh, mid-February. I'm leading a group of 16 people. I don't do more than 16. And uh, uh, yeah, and some of those, and this time, this time, every time I, I put in uh, something just for myself, not the group, because like going down underneath the tunnels, I couldn't bring a group. The liability factor would have been you know, off the wall on that one. <laughs> this time, uh, my Egyptologist friend says he has something really weird planned for me. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I'm kind of like an Indiana Jones in some ways, you know, I was uh, about a month ago, I was down in Mexico, you know, digging up alien artifacts, you know, that they had found that carbon dated over 9,000 years ago. So there's a part of me that always needs to explore and and look at what mysteries are out there. So that's that's where I get my kicks. So what kind of, I mean, if Nicole and I wanted to go to Egypt and see the pyramids, uh, what kind of uh, tours do you do like tour? You said you bring groups. 
Yeah, I bring groups, and these are really like spiritual, metaphysical, soul discovery groups. It's not your traditional Egypt group at all. But I've worked with a good friend of mine who's a licensed Egyptologist there, and he gives the, the traditional view, and I give the metaphysical view, all the stuff you don't hear behind the scenes. And a lot of this has all been memory recall for myself. But I, I've seen him over the years changing. <laughs> you know, it's just the influence of learning some of these stuff. It's funny because every time I go there, more memories open for me and unexpectedly. I was once in Saqqara, which I really resonate to Saqqara and Abydos temples because I know I've worked there and, and, and past lives. And specifically, without getting into details, and, and I told him at Saqqara exactly where something is that's hidden a tunnel and so forth that leads to an entrance to something. I went in, into detail, and his mouth dropped open. And he goes, "I'm just finding that now." And he said, "But it wasn't it wasn't known at the time." And I and I you know I told him what it was used for and so forth like that. So you know it's sort of like he's become a believer <laughs> over the years, even though he. He might have had been a little skeptical in the beginning, but that's all been from being there. I resonate better. In fact, it's interesting that, that I tell people, I feel more, I feel safer in Egypt than I do in the United States right now, which is kind of crazy because they just did have, you know, an incident there in Cairo. I, Cairo has always been a little crazy, but the rest of Egypt, it feels like home to me. So what was one of your past lives? In Egypt? Well, it goes back to the Atlantean times, first of all. I worked in the Temple Beautiful. Um, I had those lifetimes in Atlantean, Atlantean times were primarily female. The Egyptian times were mostly male. I did a lot of stuff in the priesthood. And I'm not talking about the Amun priesthood because those were, as I said, those were a corruptible lot. But there were other priests that were working for, for change and so forth like that. I remember specifically the Akhenaten one. In fact, when I went to Amarna, I just started sobbing because it was so so familiar where the Pharaoh Akhenaten moved his court to outside of Luxor area, back to Amarna. And I was remembering where things were placed and so forth like that. But, you know, little things kind of come up. But basically, I know that I was part of those that brought, that helped gather a lot of the wisdom, the arts, the knowledge, and so forth. There were many. You know, it wasn't like a couple few. And we were all involved in gathering that information. In fact, many, many years ago, when I lived in Virginia Beach, Virginia, I met uh, Hewlin Casey, which was Edgar Casey's son. And this was before he died. And he had told me, he said, there's only one man that I've ever found who was just as good as my father, if not better. And I said, well, who is he? And he told me his name was uh, Lama Singh. His real name was L Minor. In fact, he died a uh, about four, four or five months ago. So I had readings done for my whole entire family for Christmas and then transcribed them and cross-referenced where each of us different things. And I put together like 10 questions for each one. And, and I put together one of those stupid questions for me. Was I anyone of note in history? Lama Singh came back and goes, uh, yes and no. And I thought, well, what does that mean? He said, <laughs> he went into the details. He said, you were one of those souls that came first. There was a whole set of souls that saw when man was playing with matter in the Earth's sphere, many of them got trapped. And those are the old stories of like the uh, centaurs, the half man, half beast, and so forth. Like they said, and many, many souls came down to help man so he wouldn't be caught and trapped in his illusion. He said, but you were one of those that actually gathered the information. And that, that information, he says, was then used in many of the different tenets 
and wisdom teachings that would go on for centuries. So he says, although many would know your work, they would not know your name. So that's kind of pretty much my life. I try to stay in the background, do what I can, <laughs> and then depart this, this place, go back to where I belong. <laughs> Sounds like we have reoccurring themes in our lives, you know, our many lives. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I, I have a friend, uh, um, uh, James Von Fraud, who's a very well-known um, Talks with the Dead intuitive. And yeah, I've read, I've read some of his books. And, you know, we've gone on a number of different trips and things done together. And he came to me once and he says, he said, you know, Kathy, they're showing me you came from the order of Melchizedek. And I, yeah, I said, yeah, I know. And those were like the cosmics to the priests. And those were the ones that did put together a lot of this information. He said, but they're showing me that you're not from this world. And he starts laughing. He goes, I always knew you were an alien. <laughs> And, you know, I'm very much in human form, you know, but we've all come from different planetary spheres and we're all come back at certain times to shed our, add, contribute to evolution of mankind and so forth. And everybody's doing it in their own little way. Well, Brian and I are Lyrans and Nicole's a Pleiadian. Ah, so I know I came from Antares near Arcturus and I have, I've had remote viewed and been in touch with some of the, um, the Arcturian uh, Galactic Federation ships in my remote viewings. You know, there's a lot of other stuff out there. I've seen the space stations parked outside the rings of Saturn and the beings on it and what they're doing and so forth. And Stephen Greer, who I knew, who does the Disclosure Project, has said to me, when I told him I'd seen that many years ago, he said, oh my God, he said, when the military found that out, maybe about 10 years or something ago, he said they, they freaked out that it's been parked out that side of the way station. And I've been on it, and I could tell them stories of what I'd seen on it. And I searched for pictures outside, and they've all been scrubbed clean, and then I found one. I found one that must have leaped through that shows an object parked outside the rings of Saturn. So there's lots of stuff out there, just like the sun is a, is a big portal. <laughs> we heard that Saturn is not red. Uh, I didn't see it as red, you know. So, but actually, I wasn't. I wasn't focusing on Saturn per se. I was focusing on this big, huge mothership that was parked outside it, and many beings on it. And in fact, they were repairing something to me that looked like um, uh, it was a tubular thing, and it uh, had. Uh, I didn't know if it was a satellite or if it was what, but it. Um, uh, and so I, I was watching the beings work on it and in my mind. I think, what's that? And I heard in my mind, it's to diffuse weaponry in space. I'm thinking, weaponry in space? Then I'm thinking about all those tests that were done in the 70s where we were trying to show Russia our might and, and sending up nuclear weapons towards the moon. And all of them were diffused and went off, offline and nobody understood how that could happen. Yeah. And I, and I thought, well, I guess our government would probably not think what you're doing is really good. <laughs> and then I thought, I wonder who programs these things. As clear as could be, the, the information was in my head. Uh, uh, they're, they're programmed, uh, this is not the exact words they use, but this is how I'll explain it. it. It hooks into source energy knowledge and always knows the right humanitarian thing to do. And I thought, oh, that's, that's consciousness-assisted technology. That's quite incredible. So we know that there's some good guys out there, and we also know that there's some bad guys out there. So, you know, you can't all say, I swear I disagree with, Dr. Stephen Greer, who says they're all good. That's not true. That's not what I found. So. Mm -mm. No, I definitely disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a stargate. It is a stargate. And you just, and you also said the sun is a portal, which I think the gentleman we had lunch with on Sunday was just saying that as well. And I've gone through it. I hitched a ride remote viewed on the back of a ship going through. I saw ships coming out, saw ships coming in. And I hitched a ride on it. And, I, and I, it was like whoosh going through a narrow opening of energy. And the other side was, I don't know if it was sixth, seventh, whatever dimensional. But the colors were so infused and running through each other. It was like colors I'd never seen. And it was like the Panama Canal. There was actually what I would call um, a guardians. And they were, they were monitoring all the ships coming and going, and they were beaming this lights at them to, like they were identifying who they were, and the colors would light up a ship just like we would display our country flags on a ship. And so they knew, and the ship that I pitched a ride onto the back, I wasn't inside the ship, had this beautiful purple kind of on it, and I thought, they got through right away, so I'm not sure what that meant. Oh. It was like a, they were decontaminating the ships coming from our dimension into their dimension. And you couldn't get past the gatekeepers unless, you know, you passed the, the decontamination, you might say. Well, you just, you just answered a question that I've had for six months now because we had a guest on our show in the summer, John Mathis, and he talked about how he ran into a reptilian while remote viewing on the moon. And so um, once they both realized they could see each other and that the other one could see them, uh, he quickly took off. And instead of going straight to his bed, like straight, straight back to home, he went through the sun instinctually not even knowing why he did to uh, lose the reptilian and I had asked I go well how did you know to go through the sun and why didn't the reptilian go through the sun as well and I think you just answered the question that the gatekeepers wouldn't have allowed the reptilian through yeah yeah you know it was sort of like and probably some galactic federation ships they monitor you know they certain areas you're, you're not allowed I guess if your resonance or so forth I mean I've remote viewed underneath the earth where I've run into praying mantises beings and actually <laughs> I caught one who looked like he was meditating <laughs> and he it might have been like Nemo seven, <laughs> seven or eight feet tall and he was sitting and there was all this writing on the wall I found myself down through these tunnels which I knew had been down there for millennia I'm not, not going to go into that because it's all military related stuff I saw writing on the wall which did not look like hieroglyphics I don't know if it was some type of ancient Sanskrit or cuneiform or something but as I'm going around a corner, very dark, the corner there sort of like looks like a sanctuary with, you know, very low lighting. And this huge mantis-like being is sitting on what looked like kind of like a pillow and meditating. And I was like taken aback, you know. And he was very much aware I was there. And with his antennas, which were kind of going, I could see them moving, he pushed me out like nothing to see here. And as soon as that, I was thrown right back out of the, out of the um, underneath the tunnels in the earth and back to my body but wow told me that you know they're they're some of the healers of the world i don't know that for actual fact i never really went into it to look further but you know um praying mantises that 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 meditate that's awesome well, you will be you'll be interested to know that we had a lady on Rebecca Barfoot who has a guide who is a praying mantis and his name is Nemo and Brian was trying to connect with him. And we believe he made contact. He thought he made contact and then he convinced himself he didn't make contact. <laughs> mhm. 
You changed your mind, didn't you, Brian? <laughs> now, Brian, I hear you're the skeptic, and I haven't heard much from today, so either, either I'm uh, talking too much or... I, you haven't you haven't said anything uh, too crazy until just now. Oh! <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think I think everything you've said is 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 really fascinating, and you know, I mean, you you have a you know you have a a, a grounded background in, in in science, and you're an Egyptologist, and I, I think it's I think remote viewing is is really fascinating. It's something that I wish I had the, the, the mindset to want to actually do. I think it sounds like a great idea, but I don't know if I'll ever put the energy into it. Yeah. I think remote viewing would be amazing. It just, I mean, obviously like anything, it takes practice, right? Well, I, I'm very careful because one time I did find myself remote viewing over a military base and I immediately said, no, don't, you don't want to be found because they can walk onto you. So I didn't. So I try to avoid any of that kind of stuff, you know, just out of sheer protection. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it happens spontaneously, you know, um, uh, that, you know, effortlessly. And sometimes you have to do a little bit more work at it, especially, uh, you know, uh, seeing further, further, further out into space, you know. And uh, I, I like to do space because, uh, you know, the, the final frontier, as they call it. And there's, like I said, some amazing stuff out there. So. And put the crystals that are playing the program on it, on their name, or photograph a recent photograph or so forth. And then just ask to what their intent is. And then you can walk away with it. doesn't have your energy involved. It's just between them and their own spiritual guides and myself. So how how much does you said that they you know not everyone could afford the system and a software correct that, that comes with I, I assume you can download but then you have to have the buy the crystals uh, no it all comes together oh okay so the Trinfinite comes with the software and the signal box the crystals and so forth and that unit sells for eighty two hundred now the Ascension eleven I made that very very affordable. Because it's only got 11 programs, and that comes with a signal box and uh, six-sided crystals, and that's 18.99. So uh, oh, yeah, okay. so, so quite yeah, a bit. quite a bit less. Not 18 dollars and 99 cents. No, 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 no. dollars, right? 18, yeah, no. some of this money funds other projects as well. Programming is, is very expensive, as I found out. And I said, you know, the closest route to fastest route to insanity is software programming. I think. Uh, because people say, oh, just make this little teeny change, and they don't know that little tiny change may be thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it seems simple. But I I don't think, and, and of course the Trinfinity has gone through so many updates, which will, are free to our people and so forth like that. It's it's really expanded over the years. I would love to try it. So remember, there's a there's a, a small little Trinfinity 8 app. I think it's three ninety nine or something like that. $3.99 for just a little on-the-go thing. And people ask, well, how come there's no crystals to it? We use the crystal components faceplate inside the phone as a conductor, and we play the codes underneath the music, which you have to use earbuds for. So it's a little different delivery method. 
you know, so that people can at least have something on the go. Which is why you want people's fingers on the screen when they're using the app? Yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Because they're actually getting it through, their they're conducting the crystal in, crystal in their own being with the crystal plate and components in there. And of course, you know, it has to start and stop and snap your fingers. If you take your fingers off the screen, you'll stop and so forth like that. So they tried to make something that were affordable for people that wanted something, you know, quick. And I've, I've had some people who had some amazing things happen to them just with that little app. I have been using your app. Oh, good. I have, a, I have somebody I know who's a school teacher and she works with special ed kids and they're very challenging. And she says, she says, I use Energy Balance or Feel Good or something on that app. And she goes, it makes my day much calmer. <laughs> so, <laughs> whichever way you want to use it. So, and, 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 of course, uh, it, the, the Fractals of God book, you can get that online or you can the ebook or, or hard thing through Amazon and so forth. And that tells my whole story because I've had so many unusual experiences happen to me you know, over the years that I think everything was really setting me up for that near-death experience and where I was going. So everything, there was a route. Now that I look back at it, you know, every there was one thing that led to the next that led to the next. And it was kind of all pre-planned. Of course, I know I, at soul level, I did the pre-planning. And it wasn't, it's been an interesting journey. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you just one more question. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, when you're talking about Egypt and the, and the water tunnels, um, and how uh, the, I guess, the tunnels were also used in a sense, you said things were floating <laughs> and not necessarily on water. Like it makes, like we're told things in a way that make us automatically assume that when they're talking about things floating, that they were floating on the water, but that perhaps they were levitated. Um, you mean in the water tunnels and uh, the uh, well, you know, the whole, there's the whole, uh, the Egyptians are obsessed with the underworld, the trans, uh, you know, trans uh, 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 mutation between this world and the next world and the journey involved. And they always talked about having going through the seven halls, the seven obstacles to get, but they had to go through the underworld before they could get to the next world. And I believe uh, if uh, maybe you might want to put it uh, uh a link to my article on the Egypt tunnels, um, which would explain it a little bit more and more in depth, how those were hooked up to the Harara complex. So I think that there's many, 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 you know, we looked at the water samples, everything else, and where the source of this was coming from. And uh, I think that they did it's a reenactment through the tunnels because under the Harara pyramid complex, which is like 50, 60 miles away from the Giza one, a ground penetrating sonar showed there was 12 huge, what looked like a football field size hangers, three three different levels underneath this particular pyramid, not the Great Pyramid, the Hawara Pyramid. And those were 12, like the 12 obstacle halls. So I think that they started their journey at Hawara with the pharaohs and so forth and brought them through the tunnels that go, water tunnels that, that, that link up with Hawara to the Great underneath the Great Pyramid, and, and I think they were heading for the portal, the hermetically sealed portal. Now, a very enlightened pharaoh would have the right DNA to open that portal. How often do you take groups to Egypt? Um, I take them once a year, only because I have so much else on my plate. Uh, so um, 
I, like I said, I'm getting ready to leave for a 16 day one uh, next month in, in February. And uh, uh, each time I like to add a few new places that I haven't, and usually places that are off the, you know, like Ab, Ab, uh, Abu Ghraib and so forth, like that, uh, which has the sun altars and so forth. And, and, uh, and my favorite, of course, is Saqqara, because I know I've worked in the healing temples of Saqqara. And as an order of Melchizedek, worked in the Abydos temples. With, there's a Stargate in those temples as well, and I did find it. So, but you know, that, <laughs> so I guess that I could keep going on and on and on, and I probably should leave that for a book. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a very uh, interesting conversation. I think our audience is going to enjoy it very much. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. So many varied experiences. I know, I know. And I um, will leave all of the information that you mentioned in the show notes so all of our audience members can access that quite easily. Uh, and thank you for giving us the link to that downloadable children's book um, as well. Like you said there's six of them. Yeah, there's also on there a full radio scale dramatization of it as well. So I'll after we're done, I'll go find the link and send it to you. Okay? Okay, great. Great. Oh, and so um, for our audience, uh, if you're interested in trying the Trinfinity 8, but you don't have $1,800 to spare right now, you can uh, use the app for $399. And it's very interesting. If you want to take a look at it, we'll, we'll leave um, a link for that as well in the description. Um, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you thank with you. us. And to our audience members, when you hear this show, Lisa, Brian, and myself will be setting sail on our cruise for our Ways of Life conference. And we're going to be recording a couple episodes on the water. So stay tuned for those episodes coming when we get back. And if you guys need to email us, if you have questions, info at enlightenup.us, you can send that information to us and we'll be happy to help you out. So thanks again, Kathy, for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to have you on and very uh, informative and I'll learn some new things, which we always love to do here on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, everyone. Have a great week and we'll be back with you next time. Bye. <laughs>